Excel and do well. Remind our listeners you can call us live on the air. The phone number is 407-582-2906. You can also chat with us online through In Pursuit's Facebook live chat. Coming up in this episode of the Intern Whisperer Live, end of semester, looking for internships? Sign up with Intern Pursuit or contact Isabella at Isabella at InternPursuit.tech. Our guest, Baron Mills, Executive Director with the Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses, a.k.a. FAVOB. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And retired U.S. Marine. Baron will share, uh, will share the mission and vision of FAVOB and what a, what a day working as an intern would be with FAVOB. So how can you find us on our social channels? You can find Intern Pursuit on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And you can find our Intern Pursuit game on Facebook and Twitter. And soon you're going to be able to find it on um, Steam. And we're really excited about that. So stay tuned, listeners. You can listen to us live on MixLR.com forward slash Valencia College Radio, Radio. Follow Intern Whisperer. And watch us live on Facebook. And again, you can call us live on the air, 407-582-2906, and can chat with us online through Interim Pursuit's Facebook live chat. Shout out to our first patron, Pixel Crawler. Pixel Crawler is a suite of tools that audits, monitors, and historically tracks the pixels implemented on your website. There are strong dependencies built on the consistency and accuracy of the data collected by tracking pixels, and Pixelcrawler will help ensure all data is being collected as intended. Their website is pixelcrawler.com. Thank you, Pixelcrawler, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer. All right. All right, so Intern Pursuit News, our website is live, our platform is live, and we had a student sign up, so we're celebrating. We're super excited about that. Yay, celebration. And we want to encourage more students to sign up. You can get matched with one of our great employers or with Intern Pursuit. You can go to our website, internpursuit.tech, and register now to get matched. You can also apply to be a student influencer or brand ambassador. Go to our career page for that information. And we are inviting employers of all types and sizes to take part of our early adopter beta program. Um, Contact me, Isabella, at internpursuit.tech if you want more information or go to the website. So welcome, Baron. I'm so excited to have you on the show. This is super good. All right. Great. Thanks for having me. Yep. And... Fun fact, I know this was not in our notes. Mm-hmm. Um, where did we meet? Do you remember? Oh, shoot. I know. I didn't prompt that either. Um, and well, it was like at a startup event. It's, it's one of the normal things is uh, we met once, and then within two weeks, we saw each other three more times or something like that, probably. Yeah, I know. It was like, yeah. but it was startup world. We were always in that entrepreneur. Yeah, track. so it might have been um, ran to each other at the, uh, when the, um, Dem- it demo nights for, no it wasn't Fabob, but demo nights for the starter studio yeah, I think uh, so. program it might have been uh, I know we saw each other soon after that at one of the school Orlando mm-hmm. um, and Orlando tech events. and beer yep all of those all things of, yeah. yeah all of those but anyway back to our questions Jonathan kick all us right. off all right why did you choose joining the military and uh, specifically the Marines yeah so I don't know if I never felt like I had a different choice uh, growing up so uh, first my dad was in the army, mm-hmm. so he spent 30 years. So I was born into it. As far as um, you know, growing up on military installations, uh, I mean, I crawled around tanks and helicopters and stuff, jeeps. That was part of you know just my, my childhood and everything. And then 
but I had, I had different aspirations. At one point, I wanted to be a gynecologist. I wanted to, I think, uh, drive a, a 18-wheeler across the country because of all our moves back and forth that gave me that idea. I was going to be a nuclear uh, scientist at one point and everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 1986 happened, and I was, uh, you know, going from 6th, 7th grade, and like a lot of, a lot of uh, folks out there, Top Gun came out, and that movie just motivated me, and um, all of a sudden, I definitely was going to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. And so... I went through the next few years in uh, junior high and high school with a plan to be a pilot, and I actually had fixated on the Air Force and the F-16, and then uh, I found out I couldn't see well at uh, <laughs> the, end, the end of high school, so that at that time, LASIK and all this other stuff really didn't, didn't well, yeah. it existed, but it wasn't the rave it is now mm-hmm. and stuff, and it certainly wasn't adopted by the military, so uh, uh, going uh, into college, so first of all, I was uh, one of the many academy rejects out there, you know, I applied to Naval Academy and West Point and so forth, didn't get in. And be going to uh, the Virginia Military Institute instead because I still wanted a military type structure, mm-hmm. and uh, I tell you, one of the it was one of the hardest decisions in my life. Even though now it feels like it, it should have been a no brainer, but uh, the day you're supposed to pick what you know ROTC class you're going to go into, I couldn't decide between Marines and, and Army. And I thought, mm-hmm. hey, I think I know about the Army. I don't know about the Marines enough, and so I went that route, and uh, I've never looked back. Uh, everybody I dealt with who was a Marine was just uh, the best. I could um, help you know, look to learn from and right. and emulate and so forth, and uh, and then getting a two year scholarship on the back end of my time in college and everything. So, uh, and then I just got sold on being an infantry guy in the Marines too and everything. So that's kind of how I got into that that path. So where were you? I'm going off script, I know, but um, where did you go to college then? Yeah, uh, the Virginia <laughs> Military Institute. So. Um, combination of reasons one, one of them of course was it was a military college that was kind of the atmosphere i was looking for um but i was Do in they have all branches there uh rotc yeah. okay uh, so you could you could um army air force so that's one of the schools it's kind of like the citadel you have to take a uh rotc class you don't have to get a commission out of out of going you don't have to join the military out of going to college there but you have to take rotc as one of your electives uh while you're there so uh, it forces, you know, besides the fact that your life is run kind of like the military, uh, although it's definitely different rules than a real military, um, it, it immerses you in that and gets you exposed to it and so forth. And um, uh, we definitely have a, a, a higher rate than most colleges as far as how many people uh, join the military or commissioned. But I was, I was in Virginia at the time, uh, so it was an in-state school that always helps out for tuition costs. And then also my uncle had gone to VMI, and then I had a cousin attend at the time. So... All those little factors, you know, weigh in. So what was your degree? So uh, something completely unnecessary for the, the military, but chemistry. And uh, the funny story on that is it was the easiest degree for me to get. Like, if you I ask me... that sounds hard. I don't you know ask, about you guys. If you ask me to take English, that wasn't going to happen. I, 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 I don't mind reading books, but I hate mm-hmm. trying to figure out what that poem or something mm-hmm. was supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. I, if it doesn't stand out straight to me, I, then sometimes mm-hmm. it just... So You're I wanted, a science guy. Yes, yeah, science and math and stuff. So, um, so I got my chemistry degree and uh, completely forgot it all as soon as I got commissioned. Um, it was hmm. just I didn't have to take more than one year of English. I didn't have to take any uh, foreign languages as a chemistry uh, student. So that fit what I didn't like doing. Hmm. Okay, but I have one other question before we go to this one. So, so forgive me. So did you do any tour overseas? Yeah, I mean, I had um, so I had five official deployments, meaning I got a, I got a ribbon designation, and I had a, kind of a sixth minor one to the Guantanamo Bay for, but it was only there for six weeks, so it didn't officially count. Wow, 
yeah. I mean, I was in for 20 years. So if you're in the military for 20 years, you're going to go somewhere. You can yeah. do something. Yeah, I didn't know if you had, like, my brother is Army, and he's done um, the top secret stuff, and he's mm -hmm. a warrant officer five, so he flies, and he he can't tell me about some of the stuff that sure. he's done. I, I've, I've met people like that who, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, 30 years ago they did, they still can't tell you what it was because no, it's, it's still classified, um, either because it demonstrated how we collected information or it was about a certain thing or, or person and so forth. But, um, you know, I joined in 1996 is when I got commissioned. So I straddled this pre-9-11 and post-9-11 era, which means, you know, really two completely different High militaries. Defense, yeah. the, um, the five years before 9-11 happened was a, a different world than the 15 after 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Okay, sorry. Now. Yeah, so you spent over 20 years in the military, you mentioned. What made you decide to make it your longstanding career? Like, so my dad did 30. I remember being in junior high, living in, in Idaho. Um, we were in Twin Falls, Idaho, which is there's no military installation around there. Um, and I used to think, how does anybody else make money? Like, I don't understand how <laughs> these other jobs are and stuff that people's parents have. You know, my, my mom was a school teacher. My dad was a soldier. And uh, so when I, when I again, I, I went to college to get a commission. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to college to, to figure out a, uh, a career and a, and, a, mm -hmm. and like, I went to go get a commission so I could be an officer in the military. Mm -hmm. And uh, my plan was to do 30-plus years, you know. Like, only going 20 was actually, like, a disappointment and stuff to some degree. <laughs> um, so I, I, I had intentions all along. Like, I remember having friends who at four years were like, I'm getting out. I'm going to join the FBI or get a regular, you know, corporate job and stuff. And mm -hmm. that didn't register with me. It's like, well, why did you even get in the first place? Like, at the time, because uh, really um, – you know, the vast majority of the military only spends four years in, in uniform, and then yeah. they do that first contract, and they move on to something else, and that's that's where we are. It's a very small, like, like you know, uh, single-digit percentage of individuals that, that go a full 20 or more years mm -hmm. and actually uh, rate retirement. Yeah. Were your parents in the military, uh, any of you? Um, no. Corey? No? So my dad was Air Force, and he was in the reserves, so he didn't sign up for, like, you know the real stuff but he was a pilot also so i yeah. i guess maybe he i guess you can be in the reserves and be a pilot oh absolutely yeah. okay air national guard and uh yeah in the reserves absolutely and he did do a tour of duty and he was overseas and so we moved a lot not just because of that but because of his career path it was um he was a mechanical engineer and he worked in the defense sector so there was an intersection there of where that military mm -hmm. life and it does overlap into that yeah, so it's, it's completely odd for me to, to know somebody or to meet somebody who doesn't know anybody else in the military in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so besides my dad, right, mm -hmm. so my, I mean, I had ancestors going back to at least the Civil War that were in the military. Um, my, my grandfather on my mom's side was in uh, World War II in the Army over in uh, India. Then my, um, my, my grandfather on my dad's side, he actually lost an eye when he was younger, so he couldn't serve. But he worked at Andrews Air Force Base um, his entire adult life, so tie there. And then I had a uh, great aunt who was a colonel in the Air Force. I had uh, another uncle who was retired. Uh, and colonel. that was a woman that yeah. was in oh, the yeah, Air Force? Yeah, back in the that well before today. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, she was definitely a unique woman. Um, I had another uncle, uh, my dad's brother, who was retired Army colonel. Another uncle uh, married to my dad's sister who was retired uh, colonel out of the Marine Corps. Uh, uh, a cousin that was in the Army. The other uncle that was drafted during Vietnam and so forth. So I... 
I mean, military in my family was just yeah, the norm. It's deep. So yeah. I, it's, to, it's just like that's just every day to me. Mm-hmm. You know, is have some. Is that what you think the, your kids are gonna do? I, I'd be surprised. I mean, <laughs> maybe. Like, um, I remember uh, one of my commanders, uh, one of the guys I worked for, uh, he had no expectations. He didn't tr- try to push it off for his son to, to join the military. And when we were in Iraq, he got a phone call, and his wife was telling him, you won't believe this, you know, but our son just joined the Marine Corps, and he was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, um, and he didn't stand in, in the way of it, but he never thought his son would do that. Like, it's just... Um, you can lay out whatever plans you think you want to lay out for your kids, but they're going to hopefully choose their own path and stuff. But, yeah. um, you know, if you – things that you thought they may not have interest in, but if the seed was planted, you know, 10 years before, mm-hmm. they may come around to it again and stuff. Like, um, again, just, you know, things like that is wrestling. So I wrestled um, from junior high through, uh, through senior year in high school. My first exposure was in fourth grade. My my dad was a really good wrestler in high school, and he, he basically threw me and said, you're going to do this. I got my butt whooped that whole year, and I, mm. I really hated wrestling because I – the only time I got a place was because there was only three of us wrestling, and I got a third place, you know, that way and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then fast forward, and I chose on my on my own to start wrestling again in, in junior high, and then I just kept doing it. And it was never, you know, state champion or something like that. I could, you know, hold my own – to some degree, but um, I had to be allowed to do what I, I chose to do. And I think mm-hmm. it's the same thing as our kids. You know, oh, we can, I think so. We want, to, we want to expose them to as much as we can so they know what choices are out there, what options are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just hope they make the best decisions, you know, and, yeah. and do, what, do what they're talented at, you know. Um, I agree. Like, you don't, want, you don't want somebody going to the military who doesn't want to be there. Oh, no, mm-hmm. no. That's not a, a contract that you get out of no. easily. That one, you're, you're pretty much in there. So um, what changes have you seen in the Marines, specifically Marines, um, from when you first joined to where it is now? What yeah, do you think uh, of really dynamic innovation? So one of the big things was the move from, uh, you know, being a lot of things being analog to digital. So uh, in 1996, when I was going to the basic school, which is where the six-month uh, school that all uh, Marine Corps officers go to to learn the basics about being an officer in, in, the, in the Marine Corps and, and about how we – we fight and, and operate at the platoon level and, and how everything fits together uh, across the air, ground, and logistics and so forth. So uh, the radios we were working with were uh, called Prick, one, uh, Prick 77s, and those were, um, those were still – you turned the knob on it, you know, and, and uh, just six months later you're getting out to the, uh, the operating forces, we call it, um, where you're actually, you know, with units that deploy – and we were using digital radios out there and so forth. So I, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, radios and, and more computers. So uh, you didn't have a computer um, as, a, as a platoon commander when I, when I came in. Um, there were two, two computers in the entire company. Companies, uh, about uh, 12 officers and a bunch of uh, staff, not commissioned officers, and then a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, NCOs and then and Marines, about, about 100 and um, or about, about 200 or so. Uh, maybe. So uh, there were two two computers in the entire company. These days, you got like ten or twelve co- uh, computers in the company. You know, well, I, do you count phones? Because that's pretty now, much now, now. Everybody has a phone and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. The, like I didn't do email uh, until mm-hmm. about you know four years into the Marine Corps. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. email was the rage, and everybody had to be on email doing stuff. So uh, this big move from analog to digital, which I saw really in the first four to five years of my my time in the Marine Corps. And then um, and it, a lot of it's been brought on because of uh, our operations post 9-11, but we just have more, we have more stuff now, right? So um, we put a lot more money into the, um, modernizing uh, 
our weapons and our vehicles more, you know, um, but we also give our, give ourselves more to wear, you know, mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, most of your uh, folks doing patrols on foot in Iraq, Iraq or Afghanistan are wearing close to 90 pounds of equipment on their body. That doesn't matter if they're a 120 pound person or a 200 pound person. So that's a lot to put on you. And with that is we gave everybody more radios. Um, so again, when, when I came in, uh, we had night vision goggles. You had maybe seven for your platoon. The, uh, you know, the platoon commander, platoon sergeant, squad leaders, uh, a, couple, a couple more people got a pair of uh, night vision goggles. Nowadays, everybody has them hmm. and so forth. So uh, those have been some of the, the big changes, just um, very digital uh, focus now on how we communicate and, and um, share information, and then just a lot more uh, equipment, good and bad, that is put, put in your hands. Now, I don't know if this is a question that you can answer, but um, my brother doesn't use social any type of social media is that something that when you're in the military you're you're not allowed to use no you're allowed to but um if you you do certain things on there it's going to be found out i okay. mean so i just don't have a facebook uh account myself um if people need to know what my family's up to my wife can post mm. on there and tell them what's going on and stuff but there's there's plenty of service members that do have Twitter accounts, uh, Facebook accounts. I mean, LinkedIn is definitely being pushed on people these days that you need to start preparing for uh, what you're going to do after the military, whether that's uh, in a year or 10 years, and uh, creating a LinkedIn profile is one way to do that. But uh, you're absolutely cautioned, and you can get in um, you know, legal trouble if you post the wrong things, do the wrong things via Obviously, social media. Obviously, if you're disclosing like where you are, maybe. Uh, it, it could be that or just be you know, doing something that brings discredit um, okay. to, the, to the military, you know. I mean, it's, that's definitely a thing that people didn't have to deal with, you know, 20 years ago mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and so there's, you know, it's like a, a lot of things, you know, the the, mil the military law systems, you know, constantly trying to catch up to what's, what are the new ways for folks to do things wrong. How they wrong. communicate and what they're doing and all of that stuff. Yeah, I get it. Well, how did you personally handle the uh, transition of your military career to an entrepreneurial environment? Yeah, I'd say not well. All right, so um, <laughs> meaning um, I'm still figuring out what the heck I'm going to be doing down the road here and so mm -hmm. forth. So uh, I'm like, I, I do think I'm like a lot of uh, military members who they don't realize um, how tough it can be to get a – it's not hard to get a job, really. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get a job you love, right. hard to get a job that fits who you are and, and you feel that you fit into the right situation uh, as well. Um, and hopefully pay all that good stuff lines also. So uh, a lot of us just think I got to stay focused on being the service member until the last day, and then I'll, I'll figure this next thing afterwards. And then you realize how far behind uh, you, you are on preparation, that you haven't met enough people outside the military. You haven't figured out how to tell your story about what you are and what you're capable of doing and so forth. So I, I basically lucked out as far as having something to do within weeks of getting out. So my, my original plan – uh, was f first of all, I thought everybody knew how awesome I was, um, and apparently the word wasn't getting around. So I had to, <laughs> I had to start learning that later. That um, even though a tight circle of people that worked with me knew that I was very capable, that wasn't spreading around to everybody else. And just reading my resume didn't initially, mm -hmm. you know, uh, bring that forward. Uh, but my thought was, and I, I so I, I came to Orlando in 2011, uh, still a Marine, doing modeling simulation training systems for the Marine Corps, which. Mm -hmm. Uh, the UCF Research Park has a really good um, base there for uh, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, and Air Force doing that kind of work. And uh, exposed me to, you know, some actual real business principles because um, you're actually, you know, uh, being held 
like uh, project management and the, and the, uh, the rest of the world of uh, you know, schedule, cost, and performance. Right. So uh, this model simulation thing really inter- interested me. And so I thought as I was getting out to that, what I was going to do was get into the MNS PhD program that UCF has. Mm-hmm. And I started doing a legwork on that. Um, and then as it got closer, I started realizing how poor PhD students typically are. You know, I got a wife and, and two kids and, you know, I like taking trips and that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, maybe, maybe this isn't right for me right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then really within a week of retiring, three people called me up. Uh, one of those turned into a job I took as a program manager. Um, but five months into that, I was like, no, this is not where I'm going to be able to stay. And it, it wasn't the company I worked for. It was a little bit of, of who I was, I was supporting. And, uh, and just the fact that it, it really didn't leave me enough flexible room to go about things how I would. You know, you're there to manage, not, not create and so forth. I like creating more. So um, I, I, I took it on to about 14 months. Uh, got a successor in, in my place to take over and, and keep things going. And then I, uh, that's around the time I would have run into yeah. Isabella too. And I just, started, uh, I just started putting myself out into Orlando, right? So I tell people, as a Marine, I had blinders on. There's two things I did. I was a Marine, and then I do stuff with my family. Mm-hmm. And that was, if you didn't fall in those two categories, then you weren't anything I was worried about. Right. And so even living here in Orlando, outside of going to some of the amusement parks and stuff for family time, mm-hmm. I didn't get, like, I didn't know what was going on, even on the, the veteran scene side and stuff, because right. um, it had nothing to do with my job. So I didn't, I didn't see any purpose in getting into it. And so it was... Um, uh, you know, months into this this first job I had as a program manager, I started thinking, well, let me get involved in, in Orlando, see what's going on, see where I can maybe uh, be helpful or where the gaps are and stuff. And uh, so I started both engaging on the, the business side, entrepreneur side, and then also on the, the veteran community side. And um, things, I, I like both of them, right? There's a lot of uh, great people, um, problems to be solved. Um and so I've, I've delved into that, and um, I've been, again, trying to figure out what the, what's the landscape around Central Florida, and then how can I best uh, insert myself into it. So I found myself now a few different advisory uh, council or, or board memberships, and then, um, you know, it's, it's actually a little bit of a long story also how I got involved with FAVOP, but, you know, veterans, uh, entrepreneurship, you know, impact, those are things that FAVOP is, is uh, about. It's what I'm about, so it really fit well, and uh, we just had to go through some different, you know, back and forth before it kind of fell into place uh, earlier this year for me to come on as the uh, executive director. Well, continuing on the topic of FAVOB, who you're the executive director of, can you describe the mission of FAVOB and in what ways it assists veterans in their businesses? Yeah, and, and I do want to make sure to clarify that uh, we are focused on veteran-owned businesses, but you don't have to be a veteran or business owner to uh, be involved with uh, FAVOP. But, uh, you know, we just feel that um, veteran-owned businesses, uh, well, first of all, there are stats out there to show that um, they generally um, survive longer than non-veteran-owned businesses, and um, there's some great success stories out there across the, uh, the country. You know, FedEx was started by a, a veteran. Uh, locally here, uh, you know Harris Rosen with the, uh, the Rosen Hotels and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's he's a veteran. Um, David Siegel with Westgate Resorts, mm-hmm. veteran. Um, Harvey Massey, Massey Services, vet- like veterans have done some yeah. pretty pretty great things, and we want to encourage more veterans to do that as well. Whether they, we want to help uh, provide them the impetus and show them that it's possible to start their own business, or they've already started something, we want to help them grow. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we've got uh, we've got members who are just starting out or just have an idea. We've got others that have been successful for 10, 20 plus years, you know, and they, and they they're either looking for new opportunities for their own company to grow or looking to get back in some way. You know, um, you find it's so we got some people inside us seem as like uh, people know about score uh, Orlando and the score across the country, you know, individuals who have been successful running their own business or or being in high levels within uh, major corporations. And now they decided I want to spend my time giving back and helping others achieve the same thing. And so we've got people like that who are involved with us that they just want to get a chance to interact, see who's doing what and see where they can uh, lend a helping hand as well. So I know that that ties into uh, the next question, which was, what what do veterans who seek out FAVAB often struggle with most when starting up their business? But then there's a part two to that one also. And how do you guys help overcome those challenges? Yeah, so I definitely don't think it's just, you know, that these things just attributable to the veteran-owned businesses. I think it's all, it's all, all startups and entrepreneurs, yeah. right? And that's, I think, part of it is focus. Like, what do I need to really spend my time on? Um, uh, you know, one of the the themes that keeps coming up um, and people doing workshops out there or they're getting coaching on it, which is um, a lot of people start businesses because they like doing something mm-hmm. and they end up becoming more of uh, the best employee in their company instead of the CEO. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of it also is get start showing them, hey, you need to step away and run a business by being an employee in your own business and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, and so I think that's that's some of the initial things is, is showing them that um, – there are, you know, ways to get help out there. Some of those resources you got to pay for. Some of them are, are free mm-hmm. to you. But, um, uh, you know, <laughs> I I threw out there uh, that what we do, is, and I just heard somebody mention it yesterday that the CIA, I had, I'd had it in a different order, but I'll go with CIA from now on, which is connect, uh, inform, and advocate. Right? We want to connect um, business owners or supporters with other people that are like-minded or, or could be a customer, client, partner, um, or connecting the resources that'll give them the access they need, whether it's uh, capital for um, the next step in, in growth, or uh, uh, some coaching, mentoring, education. Um, we want to inform, uh, l- let them know some of those little uh, lessons learned that other people uh, have, or um, give them access to educational opportunities and advocate. Um, you know, there are. We want to make sure people understand the value that veteran businesses bring to community. Um, the economic impact that um, that we, we uh, veteran businesses generate, and so in order to do that, we got to make sure that we band together, and then that we at the local and state level that we're able to um, uh, advocate with uh, legislators, policymakers, to to make sure that it's uh, even playing field as possible, and that as many opportunities are in place as we can for uh, for our members. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to go for a patron announcement. All right. Artistry.io is a product customization tool for e-commerce stores that increase revenue, customer trust, and business efficiency. Artistry's robust product customizer allows business owners to sell personalized products in an existing e-commerce store and automate the processing of custom orders. Their website is Artistry.io. Thank you, Artistry.io, for being a patron of the Intern Whisper Live. So going on to uh, the questions, what qual- uh, qualities do you think someone in the armed for- forces has them has that makes them stand out as a business leader? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot, but um, when I when I was going over these, uh, you know, before coming to here, uh, one word got my head and stuck there, and that's perspective, mm-hmm. right? And you can lump a lot of things in there. It's perspective, meaning experience, um, and so forth. Uh, you know, we, I talked a little bit about where I, you know, did five five kind of five plus deployments in 20 years in the military. Um, most people do four years, and four years you see and do a lot, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. If you're an administrative person, a communicator, or a pilot or infantry, mm-hmm. you do and see a lot in four years. And it really gives you uh, an appreciation for uh, simple things in life, appreciation for America and, and how good things are here. You know, I, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to always give my kids a talk, you know, about how, um, how good their life is, you know, because, right. you know, when I was, you know, 24 or so in, in Haiti, you know, I was watching kids literally drinking uh, water out of a puddle, mm-hmm. you know, and all bathing in, you know, dirty rivers and so forth. So we got it pretty good. And so I think, uh, you know, seeing seeing crazy stuff, seeing dumb stuff, seeing um, the best of people, seeing the, the worst of the world sometimes, right. these things, you know, within four years or so of military service, these are things you get exposed to. And I think it just gives you this incredible perspective right. on life, on, on, on stuff so that, you know, you know when to prioritize things or when to laugh things off or when to, um, you know, realize something needs to be, you know, the most serious thing in the world right now and, and to focus on that. So I, I, I really think that's a, a good way to phrase this perspective, you know, but alongside with that, you know, you got yeah, your discipline. Um, you got uh, people who are good at planning. Um, Time really, management, I would think. Yeah, get, get it done attitude, right? Um, there's so many things that are putting your putting your uh, lap as a as a task in the military and uh because you're always scanning i know this from being around people in the military they go no i want to sit here i need to be able to see whatever is coming at me so they want to be that protector in the room i guess but i think that that was a physical reminder as to how i think people in the military are constantly surrounding i mean surveying their their surroundings and so they're seeing things that I don't think that the rest of us do. Yeah, well, I mean, so situational awareness, right? So your training, um, you know, anybody who spends who's in infantry or combat arms, you're going to get heavy focus, uh, even including um, pilots, you're going to get heavy focus on navigation. You need to know where you are in the world and, and where you're going to and the best way to get there and so forth, mm-hmm. whether it's via road, going through the right right terrain, um, uh, finding a, a path, whatever the case is and stuff. So all these things that you get asked to do, um, usually with, just a little bit of guidance, uh, maybe a little little external help, and then, uh, hey, you got until this time to get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to hear it. You're not going to get it done. I'll be back, and it better be done. Or, you know, I, I'll be listening on the radio for when it's done and so forth. Like, those are the challenges um, in a very general way that uh, service members get. And, uh, and so when you accomplish the things you accomplish in the military, that you go back and go, I can't believe we did that, then, mm-hmm. you know, Doing something in, in business is not as daunting, I don't think. No, it's not. But it should the, be. the concept of military time versus the rest of the world time, mm-hmm. that's like night and day. And somebody had uh, said this. I, I don't think it's specific to a branch, but they said uh, it's Navy time, which is 10 minutes before that actual time on your watch, you know? So it's always about showing up early, being ready early, not waiting till last minute to get something done. And that's what I think I've encountered with everybody from the military. So, you know, when we talk about the transition, um, the biggest thing that we find, 
you know, like I think there's some stats out there that say this is factual, but I have these discussions all the time, so I feel very confident in saying. And it's, you know, when you're in the military, you're part of a team, mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're part of a, a purpose larger than yourself. And so, um, you know, if, if you're doing business with a, a veteran, they understand that it's not about them. It's about you. It's about mm-hmm. the team. It's about what the task ahead is and stuff. And so, you know, we talk about subordinating, subordinating ourselves to the task, to be a servant leader. So that's that's one of the things that uh, veterans bring to the table all the time is is realizing uh, it's not about my pain or suffering or it's about getting this this job done because mm-hmm. um, that's what I've been asked to do or that's what the task ahead of me is. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I that's one of the best things that I've experienced from people in the military. Um, are we up to you? Yeah. Okay. So why did you choose entrepreneurship as the main focus in helping your fellow veterans? Right, it's the biggest way to make an impact. Um, you know, it, it, people can volunteer and so forth, but um, that ends up just being basically a hobby. You know, if you, you know, some some of the uh, other you know podcasts or, or influencers I listen to, uh, just um, you know, the one I listen to the most is if you've heard of it, it's called the School of Greatness with Scott Lewis House, and he's got he's got other people on there that I dive into, and, and one of those recently was this guy named Brendan Burchard. Then he also talked about you know Tony Robbins and stuff, and they they both, you know, uh, in their recent interviews brought forth talking about how, you know, you're not making an impact. You're just you're you're just kind of having fun if you're not generating actual wealth to do something with. Um, you know, it's it's you're not going to make an impact unless you're actually creating opportunity for others and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, creating jobs for others, creating education for others and so forth. And so I think entrepreneurship is by far the biggest way to have an impact. You know, yeah. I mean, it's nice to volunteer. I do a lot of that. Um, but in the end, uh, you need to uh, create something that generates profits and wealth that can be then used for what you want to use it for and so forth. I mean, that is, you know, just to recap what I heard in this uh, Tony Robbins interview, where he talked about how when he was like 11 or so, you know, they couldn't even pay for Thanksgiving food, uh, Thanksgiving Day meal. And then all these years later, he's able to uh, pay for 100 million. His goal is 100 million people this year, mm-hmm. fam- families he's going to pay for for, um, for meals and wow. stuff. You can't, you can't do that unless you are an entrepreneur and you create yeah. something. And you create something huge. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, w- let's see. So how – I don't know if you know how many members you have at Fabob, but – how large of a presence does FABOB have here in Central Florida? And the question was, was it run entirely by veterans? Now, I'm a fan of FABOB. I did not serve in the military. I don't think you guys uh, may not have known, but I'm a member of the group. I've been able to participate and serve with them. But it's just because my dad and my brother are in the military, so I am very passionate about veterans. And when I was in the public classroom and I was teaching, I would do a whole unit on patriotism, I had it built around the flag and you know how we show proper respect for the flag, what does the pledge mean, and then also the national anthem. I broke it down because I don't think that I taught seventh and 10th grade, I don't think kids understood it or mm-hmm. really appreciated it. And so I built it as a whole unit that took a whole hour to go through and do that. And then I spent three weeks reinforcing that in the classroom. So. Um, what is the presence here of FABOP and, and yeah, all so, that good stuff? So right now we're just short of uh, 200 members. Uh, we're on the – so somewhere around 14, 16 months ago, they're only sitting about 66 members or so. So we've 
almost tripled uh, roughly our, our size over, the la- over less than a year and a half. And I think you're going to see us, uh, I really do believe we're going to hit uh, a thousand or more next year uh, mm-hmm. with the, the way we're developing ourselves right now. So uh, Orlando is the, uh, the oldest and largest chapter right now, roughly 100, 100 members. Um, Space Coast is just over a year old with their chapter. Uh, they've got about 65 members right now. And then we've got uh, another uh, two dozen almost uh, outliers across the rest of the state. You know, uh, people that, that we've brought in um, with the, the uh, thinking that we'll be able to generate a, a new chapter in the area or other individuals who just see the value in being a part of our, our organization and so they've joined up. So, we've, you know, we've got a few members down in, in Tampa and along um, the Fort Myers area. We've got a few more strung down from West Palm Beach to Miami. And then I uh, even got some over in the Pensacola area. I was nice. at, I was just I was just in Ocala last Thursday, meeting with about ten veteran businesses there, and um, uh, they've got another focus right now just for general support to veterans in the Ocala area. Uh, but we certainly think there's a good opportunity that by next summer we could have a, a chapter set up there. So we've already identified that uh, Tampa is our next chapter stand up um, uh, through, through first LinkedIn and then soon uh, a little email. Um, activity we're developing um who our primary um supporters there are so we can bring them together and have a informational um uh gathering make sure they everybody understands uh what FAVOB is right now where we think we're going um because we got to have people who are willing to put the time in to to run a chapter you mm-hmm. know um outside of me FAVOB is pure all volunteers right and those mm-hmm. vo- those volunteers are all uh business owners self-employed mm-hmm. individuals and so their time is best applied usually to them developing their businesses but they all realize that um coming together as a veteran-owned business community makes us stronger and gives them uh better opportunities yeah. to, to grow their uh, businesses as well by learning from other people or again developing new connections partnerships customers and so forth um and so i i, I really so I, i've been on for a little over four months now as the executive director and, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to develop uh, a staff, um, paid staff, over the next um, year, year and a half. And, um, uh, and real quick, back to the question about, uh, you know, you have to be a veteran to join us. or even mm-hmm. We've got non-veterans who serve on our board. Um, now, everybody has usually some kind of connection to the veteran community, you You're know, right. with, whether they, they're a um, uh, military spouse, uh, their father or mother served, uh, a, a sibling serves. Or, you know, they just love the veteran community. Um, everybody's got some kind of tie-in, some reason why mm-hmm. they want to specifically support um, veterans and uh, business owners. Got it. Yeah. All right. What does a typical, uh, typical day look like f- for an intern at your organization? Uh, non-typical. I mean, so, <laughs> so look, again, I'm, I'm it right now as far as somebody day-to-day who's able to put their, their time into it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I do have an office that I work from thanks to um, – uh, one of our uh, FAVOP co-founders, Michael Wadrop, uh, who's given me a, a spot in his um, uh, building for blue cord construction design that, that he owns. Um, but, uh, yeah, an intern with us right now is purely working off of projects. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'll go ahead and jump ahead. You know, you're going to ask me about Josh, uh, one of our interns. Like, So Josh's biggest lesson right now is probably working for a guy who can't decide what he wants done next or um, – you know, keeps jumping around. You mm-hmm. know, we've got a lot of things that need to be done. Uh, marketing development, uh, research that supports the marketing as well as uh, advocacy uh, purposes. Um, 
you know, all that involves content development. We need to um, continue scoping out what our uh, positions are, whether those are going to be part-time, full-time, you know, future interns and so forth. Um, so right now it is a, a scattering of needs, and any intern with us is going to, um, based off of what we think our highest needs are, plus what their greatest capabilities they bring are, are going to be aligned with those to, mm-hmm. to really help keep developing uh, what we need and, and how to, how to you know, fill that, that need. Yeah, in the past, uh, I was working with Trish, and so we've brought in marketing students to help with Favob, and they've documented processes of how you guys load content into um, Facebook. But then there's also been uh, the board manual that you guys uh, have, and Trish said that she has doled that out to everybody, and everybody's supposed to be working on their sections of the board manual. Yeah, you know, uh, Favob's... That was an HR student. Yeah, Favob's a... More than a few years old, but um, we feel like a startup right now, yeah. right? And it's really because, um, you know, when you're an all-volunteer organization, you, you're only going to be able to go so far. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, again, that I've come on as executive director. Um, it, it gives us a little more momentum, a little more opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, really restarting everything, mm-hmm. uh, refocusing, uh, identifying our mission, our vision, um, our organizational structure, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to make – Really, in the next uh, coming months, going to make our first push to bring on uh, annual uh, trustees, mm-hmm. you know, to, to provide us uh, most of the funding we're looking for to support our staff and so forth. So, it's, it really is an exciting time. I mean, it means that uh, <laughs> there's a lot that's not figured out. Yeah, yeah, there's but, a uh, lot of opportunity. But that, so, that's one of the things that attracted me to this, you know, is when we talk about the entrepreneurship uh, world. I mean, it's, it's a lot of chaos involved there. And, um, but that chaos means opportunity. Um, opportunity to learn things, make an impact on people. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, that's why I like it. You know, um, I, you know, I, I got to make sure I'm focused sometimes on specifically on Orlando and Space Coast because that's where our our primary base of members is. And so I got to make sure those members, you know, feel like they're getting value out of being mm-hmm. being members. But at the same time, in order to grow, I got to get out and visit the places. You mm-hmm. know, but it, so I get a chance to go to Ocala or Tampa or Pensacola. You know, I'm, I'm always. Uh, What's great is it's, you know, you, you sometimes all you know is what's right in front of your face. You don't realize how awesome things are in other places, you know. Yeah, that's um, true. I mean, you know, the reason that I was in Ocala with these guys is because their economic partnership um, group there came to them and said, we want you to stand up a, a committee to support veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, that usually it comes from the veteran community saying, why aren't we being represented? No. Mm-hmm. Their community said, hey, why aren't you guys formed? So mm-hmm. they're figuring out how to how to do something, you know. When I was in Pensacola and talking to one of the entrepreneurs out there, he said, "So is does everybody else have an awesome entrepreneurship uh, ecosystem as us?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I don't I don't know what you guys have here yet, so I don't know." But if you're making that statement, it means you got something here you think is pretty good, and so um, I, that's why I think it's cool, you know. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I came with Favob, or one of the things I kind of said to him was, "Look, the first you know first word in your name is Florida." We need to be a Florida organization. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, you know, think that this state has incredible opportunities. Um, I see it all the time. I mean, you read about it in the news. But um, and it's, it, one thing is life, I mean, it's a great place to live. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't beat the weather, uh, I, I don't think. Um, you know, just a couple storms here and there to worry about every now and then. Um, but just almost, you know, outside of uh, alpine skiing, almost every industry is here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, transportation, uh, media, entertainment, um, space you know uh simulation now yeah defense i mean all kinds of stuff that you know um 
hospitality and stuff, it's, it's, it's out there, you know, and some, some places it's bigger than others in Florida and so forth. You know, one of the things that's happening right now, and I, I haven't seen it officially, so I'm not going to say it, it definitely has happened, but, you know, there's the, the three uh, top populated states in the, in the country for veterans are California, Texas, and Florida. Uh, now, you can expect that with California and Texas because they got some of the largest military installations in the country. And so, you know, service members naturally just kind of spill outside of the base, last base they're on, instead mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, residents there and so forth. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's some good military um, uh, footprints here in, in Florida, but nowhere mm-hmm. close to the same size. Uh, and so, but, but Florida is the third largest, although I've heard we've already taken over Texas for second, and if not, it's going to be sometime soon. Um, that shows the... I think the opportunity that veterans are seeing here in this state and uh certainly we hope with Favov that we'll yeah. uh, show more of them that maybe the opportunity they're looking for is by owning their own business um just jump to the last question there because he answered your question yeah. <laughs> yeah. um what is the website for florida association of <coughs> veteran owned businesses so our listeners can find it yeah so as uh jonathan said before uh, Favob is is how we uh we say our name uh most most of the time f-a-v-o-b so you can go to favob.org and that's going to be the main site um that's going to get you mainly what uh, orlando is up to uh you can also go to spacecoastfavob.org and see the space coast chapter and then uh both chapters and again you know orlando is also encompasses uh favob at large both are on uh, Facebook, so just go look at uh, Favob or Space Coast Favob. And then you can also find us on LinkedIn. That's where that's where I spend most of uh, my social media time is on LinkedIn. So uh, just type in Favob. I've got the acronym in there, so it pops right up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and you'll see a lot of things that are going on. You know, we we announce a lot of our events. We talk about some of the opportunities uh, around, the, around the state, highlight um, some success stories and so forth. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's, okay. that's the best place to find us right now. So we're transition. So thanks to Valencia College for allowing us to be on the campus. Thank you, Q. He came in here and he told us good news. We're going to be switching over from MixLR to um, to Valencia College Radio, and we appreciate being able to be in this studio and having all of these great people in the school to work with. Um, let's do our shout-outs. Jonathan. Um, shout out my family and, of course, you guys for being here and our guest. Thank you for being here. Um, shout out to my sister who's hopefully listening. <laughs> well, we have somebody. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Baron, your turn. Sure. Uh, my family, uh, wife Kristen, son Braden, uh, daughter Cassidy, they love hearing the names on there, I'm sure. Uh, all the Favob members, hopefully, that are out there, they're going to listen to this. And all the future Favob members as well. Shout mm-hmm. out to you. And then, um, uh, Marines in the area, uh, two organizations I'm involved with are Central Florida Marine Corps Foundation and the First Marine Division Association. Uh, so hopefully those guys are listening. And then uh, finally, uh, my big uh, hook into the veterans in the Orlando area is through uh, Veterans Beer Club Orlando. All right. And so my shout-out goes to everybody on the Intern Pursuit team, Corey over here for making these awesome little teasers that are going to be going out on our social channel so people can find our shows on the podcast. And to you guys across the room, and then also to our listeners and our guests. So thank you. So how can you find Intern Pursuit? You can find us at internpursuit.tech. You can email us at info at, same acronym there at the end, not acronym, but uh, domain. And then you can watch us live on Facebook. You can check out our Twitter. You can listen to us live on mixlr.com, soon to switch to Valencia College Radio. 
And then you can also listen to us and watch us on Facebook. So as we close the show, we want to tell you thank you to all of our listeners. Bye-bye. Thank you.